Are you wired up? You are. I am. You are. Brilliant. Hopefully I'll be on in a... Am I on? Yeah. Okay. I'll keep dribbling on until I'm level is okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, just want to... Uh, I, I can see from your notes you've got introduce myself. Yes. And I, <laughs> so I thought, well, we'd try to do that yep. as, as a team yep. together. So, so Judith, introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm a local girl, even though my accent got lost when I worked abroad for 14 years in Kathmandu. And so I was born and bred in Peacehaven. And actually, Eastbourne is, is a home to me. Um, I have such fabulous memories here of uh, having picnics on the beach. My mother trained uh, as a teacher here. And so uh, when our school holidays didn't tie up, uh, we ended up coming for the day here. And then our treat was a picnic on the beach. It was our favorite place to shop, our favorite place to eat. And uh, I learned to ride a motorbike here. And so, you know, to, to me, Eastbourne is part of being home you know and it's and it, it means even more when you've lived abroad as a missionary for 14 years to actually come home and so I've been back five years now and I work at Ashburnham Place uh, responsible for uh, the Westminster Theological Centre where you can do higher ed or bachelor's or um, uh, master's or grad dips in kingdom theology and so it's a part-time course like a supercharged house group there and so I've met Martin a number of times through various meetings and things but mainly through the turning I think that's right so um just say did your mother train at the college of education or or okay not Chelsea Okay, all right. We've got some Chelsea graduates here, you see, so. <laughs> I won't say similar vintage, but. <laughs> um, missionary work, where was that? So I was in, uh, oh, I don't need that, do I? I was in Kathmandu in Nepal um, for 14 years, although. I was based there, but the idea was to also set up educational projects, um, not just there, but also elsewhere um, in the more remote areas, particularly um, of the 75 districts, 29 were in famine. So it was trying to work out like ways to stop you know, these guys being in famine in the World Health Organizations to do that. And so one of the projects was just literally to... Um, bring in rice sacks, well they had rice sacks, put soil, worms are a great um, producer of compost um, that is supercharged and then to pray and then just to bring in a few seeds and then those seeds would be grown because the children didn't eat lunch and so they would have the beans for lunch but then take home seeds and then one you're teaching the children because I'm an educator and two you're also uh, refeeding the villages. And as I understand it you, you basically multiplied an education project through through the country, didn't you? That's right. We had 36 partner schools. And in fact, the government liked so much of what we were doing um, that they invited us and, and the school continues that I was based in in Kathmandu continues to be a model and a training centre for the government schools throughout Nepal. First of all, changing their uh, discipline policy from one of fear to love. <laughs> and then secondly... At the moment, is you know the Holy Spirit is creative, and so um, when they've been under a dictatorship, which they were initially, and then under the Maoist government, and now back to a Hindu government, the 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 people have not been educated in problem solving because they've just been told what to do, and so bringing that into schools through creativity and through art and through other um, aspects and subjects, and so it's it's a beautiful way of getting in. I feel like God 
as love has come into the schools and now uh, Holy Spirit as creative has come into the schools. And that's not just the 36 partner schools, that's throughout the schools in Nepal. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And yes, we did, I think, meet through the turning, which was the Street Evangelism Project, which we uh, have done now for two years uh, here in Eastbourne. And, and Judith oversaw the uh, New Haven and Seaford expression of that um, last year. So that was, that was brilliant. And we were on the team together, praying together and, and planning and so on. Um, the Westminster Theological College is a brilliant scheme which is really, really good for churches like ours where you don't have to spend a lot of money. Well, it does cost a bit, but you don't have to go away to college uh, and, and leave uh, where you work and live in order to grow in the word of God and catch the vision of the kingdom of God um, and to, to you know, learn skills of leadership if that's uh, where God's leading you. Um, it's local. There's a local hub. This was well, Judas Road, one here in Ashburnham. And we are hoping and trusting that uh, in the right time, it, we hope the time would have been sooner, but it's not going to be quite so soon, but we still hope and trust that uh, WTC are going to be a blessing to us. Mm. Um, I've, I've got myself penciled in for something <laughs> there. <laughs> Anyway, Judith, lovely to have you with us. Thank, Thank you. you for coming, and can we pray for you? As I'd we love you too. Thank you. Uh, loving Father, we thank you for the unity of Christ mm. in our hearts. And we pray your blessing on our sister as she ministers to us through the word of God this morning. Lord, may your Holy Spirit preside as we listen together to you through your word and through your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I had a word for you, but you know what God's like. I came a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Justin um, stood up and said something, and then Charlie stood up and said something. And I was like, oh, I need to really rethink what um, I, I believe that the Lord has for us today. And it's interesting, it's a prayer for us. The reason I wanted, or that struck me with Justin, is that um, when he said, stand up, if you're starting a new um, you know, stand up if you're involved in education. And I, and I wanted to stand up because I was thinking, aren't we all? You know, a disciple of Jesus Christ is a learner. And to be honest with you, particularly in this country with the academic school year, it comes over the summer holidays and then you're like, okay, really, Lord, where, where am I settling into? Where am I going? What's happening this actual year? Um, and so, and from that, I really felt that the Lord has a prayer, not just for us. I've actually realized I think it's not just for not just for you, I think it's for the WTC students, but I actually think it's for this little area, this region. Because I don't know about you, but I believe the Lord is doing something between Eastbourne and, uh, I would say, Peacehaven, but others would include Telscombe Cliffs. You know, <laughs> you know Telscombe Cliffs actually is like the Brighton, isn't it? And Hove actually. Uh, so, but... And so I wanted to share what that prayer is with you this morning, but also to unpack it a bit and help you understand what was Paul's goal and hence the point of the prayer. And then uh, thank you for what you brought earlier, Sue, because actually how do we see things from a spiritual perspective? How do we gain spiritual wisdom? See, that's what inspired me about Charlie. She's like, the schools did this, this, and this. And I was thinking, yes, because that's not what education is actually about. 
you actually had spiritual discernment and you came under attack for that. You actually had but you came under attack for that. And so how can we help us discern what is spiritual wisdom and <laughs> what isn't? Yeah? And so that's what we're educating ourselves in, you know, from above. And I'll give you an example from Scripture of that. So that's where we're going this morning. If you can put up the verses from Colossians 1. And uh, I read the Amplified Bible because although I understand how Greek works, I really want to get a hold on the words. And so in English, it's a very simple language because we combine so many different languages to try and make it simple, you know, as we were conquered by so many people. And so our language isn't rich enough to grasp what the Bible's saying. There are six ifs in Greek. There are two yous. There's lots of different versions of love. Do you, do you see? So I use the Amplified because I want to get the full understanding of what the passage is saying. It's a bit of a nightmare to read out. <laughs> However, I will read it out, and you've got it up there to see. And it says, For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you. This is what I believe that we can pray over each other as educators, as disciples. Asking that you may be filled with the full, the deep, and the clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work. Don't you want to bear fruit in everything that you're doing? You know, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. And we pray that you may be invigorated and Strengthened. How about that this morning? You know, would you like to be invigorated and strengthened with the power according to the might of his glory? To exercise every kind of endurance and patience and perseverance and forbearance with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified and made us fit to share the portion, which is the inheritance of the sons, God's holy people, in the light. It's a big mouthful, but let's unpack that. First of all, we're going to look at the goal at the end of Colossians 1. If you look at that, the goal is perfection of the body of Christ. And I think sometimes, uh, having been an educator for 35 years, I either have students in the class and you can identify yourself with one of these or not. Because remember, we're all students, really. We're all learners. Either I had someone who worked way too hard trying to be perfect... Yeah? And so when you said to them you need to revise or study or something, they already were and went over the top. Or you had people who just sat there and never did anything. Yeah? And so the idea is that it can be a really hard grasp of this perfectionism if you are aiming to be perfect. So I want us to understand what does the word in Greek mean so we don't end up with this perfectionism, which is a killer. Yeah? It's a killer. Yeah, it destroys as opposed to builds up. Yeah? And then secondly, I want to look at how do we actually discern whether our wisdom is spiritual wisdom or not. Yeah? And so that's where we're going today.
Um, so Paul is writing his letter uh, to the Colossians. Remember, it's a, it's a, he's writing a letter. He's responding to other letters. Sometimes we forget that, you know, it feels like Paul's missing a bit. Well, he is because you haven't got the other letter. You know, and I think we need to understand that when we're looking at this is a letter that he is writing and he's writing to the Colossian church and he's concerned because they have worldly understanding, not Christ or Christology, we'd call it in theology, not a really good understanding of who Christ is and what spiritual wisdom is, particularly about rulers, principalities, powers. Now, you know in Old Town here, there are rulers, principalities, and powers. You know that there's a culture here. Yeah? You know that there's a way of living here. You know that the schools have a certain aspect that might be good or bad. Yeah? And so those systems we're going to look at, because that's what Paul wanted people to understand in this passage. And at the end, remember, he's reminding us, actually, you were in darkness, but now you're in light. You were in darkness, which is just literally the absence of light. And what we do is we bring light into the situations. Can you imagine that impact just on the person that you meet in the supermarket? Can you imagine the impact of the person that you meet at the petrol station, at work, at play, in your family, if there is no darkness? only light and that comes about from spiritual wisdom and I don't know about you I've sat in a number of meetings and you know we're trying to wrestle and figure out the answer and I think we learnt it in the meetings that we had at the school and it was just like stop let's just pray and you know God's solution is always better and it brings light but it's not perhaps what you expect you know, he is a genius, the Holy Spirit, and the most creative person ever. Do you know what I mean? As a personhood, as part of the Trinity. And so when you're in those meetings at work, you know, I've been in meetings where I'm not in a Christian environment, and I, I either take a toilet break if it's just got too much. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to toilet break and speak in tongues. Lord, help me. I need to bring light into this situation. I need to bring spiritual wisdom, because this earthly wisdom actually only kills, steals and destroys even deciding what you're doing as a family <laughs> you know you know what it's like don't you that like ah that's earthly wisdom mm. um, and so this light comes about as we come into Christ and I don't know about you but have you imagined yourself in Christ because you are in Christ yeah but have you actually thought, well, what does it actually mean? And I'm a real picture person. I'm a visual learner. And so I need to think, well, what does that actually look like? And when I go on a mission trip still, you know, one of the biggest things, particularly in the developing world, is they don't have hospitals. They want prayer for healing. And I don't know about you. I'm happy with deliverance quite happily with emotional healing. But physical healing, you know, there's still a little bit of a mental block in my head. Yeah? Lord, take it away. And, but what I realized was that if I step into Christ, they're not my hands anymore. It's not my mind anymore. It's not my eyes anymore. Because I'm in him. So when I'm actually in him, I lay hands on the sick, and it's his hand that's going there. 
and they get healed. You see the weight that it takes off of you, it's about being in Christ. That's the starting point for bringing light. That's the starting point for spiritual wisdom is what Paul is teaching them in Colossians. So what does it actually mean to be perfect then? His goal is for them to be perfect. Now, the best analogy that I can come up with is a selfie stick. Now, this selfie stick is a great analogy because the Greek word is teleos, you know, like telescope, able to see, yeah? And that's the point of a selfie stick, yeah? Obviously, Paul didn't have one in his day, so he didn't have this analogy, but we do in our day, so this is helpful for us. Now, if you think about it, this selfie stick is a perfect selfie stick, yeah? There's nothing that you need to add to this selfie stick to make it more perfect, Got it? Yeah. It's it, it's holy. It's perfect. It's saved. Yeah. But to be honest with you, if I go like that, all I see is me. Because actually, you need the teleos, the telescope, this bit, the growing. Yeah. So it's within me. It's already in me. I am perfect. Yeah. As he is perfect, I am holy. I am righteous. I am saved. But actually, part of being teleos, perfect, is that I'm growing. Yeah, this bit this year maybe, this bit in this season, this bit in this season. Yeah, as you keep growing and you keep looking further and further and further. Yeah, now the beauty of it is this is what Paul is meaning about being mature not changing anything, not trying to do anything, but just recognizing it's within me. And that takes away perfectionism. Can you see that? But it also helps us understand that each year we are to be teleos. We are to just grow a bit more and a bit more. And do you know what? The outcome is, I can actually see you all. Or the outcome is, as I've stepped into the kingdom of light, that I can begin to see the kingdom all around me. I can begin to see clearly because I am growing in maturity. Yeah? And to me, the beauty of having lived abroad is that I've landed in a different culture and realized how much of my Christianity was cultural and British and Western as opposed to godly and biblical. Yeah? And I, and I think, so if you, if you can sort of begin to imagine as we step into the kingdom, Imagine yourself stepping into another nation, because that's what it is. It's another kingdom. I moved out of the United Kingdom into, the, actually, it was called the Hindu Kingdom of Nepal in those days. So it was another kingdom, yeah? So as I stepped in there, as I stepped off the plane, the fragrances are very different. Now, think of verses, yeah? The fragrance of Christ, we bring that. So the very smell of us is different. Think of it, the language was different. Well, what's the language? Of God. What about languages? What does the Bible teach about that? You know, what does the Bible teach about the clothes that they wear there? Think of how many passages just about the clothes that we get to wear in the kingdom of God that perhaps we've forgotten to put on or haven't even explored that room or place in the kingdom yet. And then as you immerse yourself in that kingdom, you begin to realize, oh, there's not a queen, there's a king. And this king rules very differently to my queen, actually. And actually, there's a different type of government. There's different rights and responsibilities. 
as I become a citizen of that kingdom. Can you see how different the kingdom of God is? It's a completely different kind of rulership, a completely different kind of way and place. Everything different as you go into another nation is, is different in the kingdom of God. And you will find analogies of that in scripture. Everything. Because the point of this telescope, isn't it, is to have a broader view of what the kingdom of God is so that we can bring that into our workplaces, our families, and into our lives. And when Jesus' disciples says, we just don't get this kingdom of God, Lark. Where is it? Where did he tell them it was? It's within you. Yeah, it's within you, among you. But unless you've got your telescope up, (laughs) you can't see it. Yeah, you're going to be seeing it bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was the point of this Colossians passage. That was the prayer. And actually, you find a very similar prayer in Ephesians and a very similar prayer in Philippians. This is Paul's goal, that we actually have spiritual wisdom and discernment. Yeah? So, hopefully you've got perfection. You know what it is, yeah, and what it's not. Hopefully, we, you've understood a bit more why we have that to expand the kingdom. Let's just look at the rulers, principalities, and powers now. And we'll look here at uh, the next passage. Back one. Thank you. Now, you'll find, and it's called uh, a Christology, and this is actually a hymn. So you know when they suddenly sort of start talking about Christ? It's their first hymn. The very first hymn that they ever sang in the church is in Philippians. And nobody, as I know, you know, has, a, has actually sort of made, you know, a song of that, you know, as a challenge for you. But, you know, this, this is a hymn. So these are the original hymns they sang in the church when they start speaking, when it suddenly goes into Christ is like this. These are the very first hymns that the churches sang. And it says, now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. For it was in him that all things were created, in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created and exist through him by his service and intervention, and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist, cohere, and are held together. Who created the dominions, rulers, powers, and authorities? God. Sometimes when we read the Ephesians passage, and I've heard some people tell me that Satan created them. No. Do you see the difference here? Actually, all of these were created by God. And they were originally created by God to hold things together. Because if you think about it, if the culture dissipates, you know, anarchy um, occurs. And so actually we have a culture here, but let's recognize it. As opposed to got a dish, the culture. it's holding things together. And they were created for his will and purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? So they were originally created by God for this purpose, but they are fallen. And so what you find now is, unfortunately, these systems kill, steal, and destroy. These systems deceive. And that's what really struck me with Charlie. She has recognized that education is not 
about pouring knowledge into your head and at the end of the year you pour that out onto a piece of paper I mean how ridiculous is that the education goal is a year actually the whole point of education is for eternity your children your grandchildren you are eternal beings so why are we educating people just for this life So the whole goal of education isn't to create unique beings (laughs) who know their part to play in the body of Christ. It's to make everybody the same. It's because the rulers, the principalities, the powers of education in the West and in the East, unfortunately, have basically, they're fallen and they're out to destroy our children. They're teaching them earthly wisdom, not spiritual wisdom. You know, I used to have a lot of parents come out as a principal and then directors, various schools. And like, you need to educate my child in this. I was thinking, actually, parents are the biggest influence. And grandparents, I mean, think of Timothy. It was his grandmother who impacted Timothy and made him the man of God that he was. Are we teaching them earthly wisdom? Or are we teaching them spiritual wisdom? That's our role. In fact, if we give them the spiritual wisdom, they'll recognize real quick, like Charlie did, she has spiritual discernment. This isn't the way it's meant to be. Yeah? Think about it. Whatever your goal is, what is, is, is told by whatever you measure. Yeah? So if your church measures the number of people sitting on seats, <laughs> I'm not convinced it's the right goal. Yeah, do you see? If your business is measuring them at a profit, it's all about money at the expense of everything else. And that goal has landed us in an environmental crisis. And if the government is measuring GDP, gross domestic product, wanting increase in the economy, they don't give a monkey's about people. They're not aiming at people. They're not looking at people. I mean, praise God for Scotland, uh, New Zealand, and Sweden, who basically said, we want a different goal, and then we'll end up with different policies. We want a policy that's for the well-being of the people. It's good, isn't it? And they're inviting other countries to say, how about changing what we measure? Yeah? I believe, and you can sense it, that the Lord is moving, saying, come on, guys, wake up. Yeah? These powers, principalities, rulers, they're fallen. And we need to recognize that, tell our children the truth, (laughs) tell our grandchildren the truth. I don't have any uh, physical children. I've taught over 2,000 children in my life so far, but I have nephews and nieces, and actually sometimes it's easier for the auntie to say certain things, isn't it? So my sister's deliberate. I mean, some of them's actually sent them out to Nepal to live with me for a while. You know, know, go go and see AJ, Auntie Judith, do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's no excuse if you don't have any biological children like myself, yeah? there are people here that we are to encourage and bring into spiritual wisdom. So recognize everything around us, unfortunately, look at the goal, it's probably not godly. That is earthly wisdom. That is not what we bring and that's not how we think and that's not how we function. Now, I want to give you an example of this. There's a number of examples in Scripture, but this is my favorite example of how we can have even the truth of revelation 
but then partner again with the wrong interpretation. So you know the story of, or I, I do it a narrative, because story sounds like it's made up. It's not. The narrative <laughs> of Peter and Jesus. And so let's quickly look at that in Matthew 16. So Jesus went into the uh, region of Caesarea Philip and he asked disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and envied are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood, men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Wow, that is thinking from above. It's recognizing who Jesus is. Now, if you do notice that the people around didn't recognize who Jesus was, they thought he was Jeremiah or Elijah. Now, those are fiery, rebuking prophets. What image have we got of how Jesus was? <laughs> the perception in those days was like, this guy's really telling us off. This guy's really speaking truth. You know, trying to help us stop thinking in an earthly way and actually thinking from above. And the consequence of that, as we know, is Peter ends up um, with the keys to the kingdom. And I love it. I will give you, it says, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've underlined you. It's plural. It's essential that we understand when you is plural when it's singular. Because we've made an individualistic gospel as opposed to a corporate gospel message. And so it's not like, Peter, I give you the keys and now you've got to pass them on to one other person. You, I give you, the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declaring improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. If we can't see from our selfie stick our full potential if we can't see what the kingdom of heaven is like how can we know what to loose and what to bind how can we have this discernment of spiritual wisdom to earthly wisdom from that time uh, forth Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go on yeah, from that time forth, uh, Jesus began clearly to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the high priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead. Then Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and began to reprove and charge him sharply, saying, God forbid, Lord. Not I don't want you to die. This must never happen to you. So Peter goes from hearing directly, spiritually, from heaven, not revealed by man, and then Jesus turned away from Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He grasped the truth about who Jesus was, but his interpretation of the truth because of his cultural thinking. I know the Messiah's coming. I know that he's going to be like King David. Well, King David defeated all his enemies. This guy's going to come, and he's going to kill all the Roman Empire, and he's going to rule like this. He culture dictated to him. The principalities and rulers had dictated to him his interpretation of that passage. So not only... 
do we need to have spiritual wisdom to discern what the truth is, but we also need to have spiritual wisdom so that we don't interpret it incorrectly. And you'll find whole bits in that. You know, I was looking at a passage the other day in 1 Corinthians 14, and when you read it with those kind of eyes, you realize, and now in brackets, there's three verses that somebody added later on. They have nothing to do with tongues and prophecy. Again, somebody put their interpretation in, and in modern translations it's bracketed, and I reckon in a few years the three verses will be out. Because somebody has interpreted it, it's not what the original scripture said. It doesn't make sense there. So even in the Bible, we've got a couple of verses that shouldn't be there. Yeah, Because the interpretation of the cultural time, they couldn't grasp that this was actually true. Really was being taught. <laughs> so they had to change it centuries later saying, Jesus can't really mean that. Paul can't really mean that. I need to change it. How much more do we need spiritual wisdom? So how do we stop thinking in the way that our culture does, thinking in the way that we have this earthly wisdom, and how do we actually start thinking from a spiritual perspective it's real simple in Colossians 3 at the end he says take off I'm not no, just says take off <laughs> everything that hinders you you know take off your preconceived idea about education take off your preconceived ideas about government why are you thinking the government should take care of you well good because that's a spiritual thought it's a, it's a correct interpretation the government was never designed to take care of you the word believe actually in Greek means trust in, rely on, adhere to yeah so I trust my God to supply all my needs yeah now he may do it through the government praise God if he does you know but I'm not trusting the government I'm trusting my God because as soon as you trust in the government they're going to let you down you see that we've, we, we have been bought. I mean, our whole education has been from a worldly perspective. The first thing I did when we got teachers into Kathmandu, from all over the world they came to be missionary teachers in the school I ran. And that first week, I literally would spend the whole week trying to give them a biblical kingdom mindset so that everything they taught was from a spirit, we gave the child children spiritual wisdom and not earthly wisdom. Yeah, that was the whole introduction. And you know what the beauty of it is? You know, missionaries don't often stay 14 years like I did. They often air for a few years. I didn't mind because you'll go back to your school and you'll, you'll change that perspective now. You're seeing from a kingdom perspective, you're seeing with spiritual wisdom. Yeah? So you take off. And there's other passages um, that talk about this that take off the clothes and then put on that he gives you. It's another study we haven't got time, but just think of the clothes that you can put on, the garment of salvation, the helmet of salvation. All these things we put on so that we think differently. And my prayer today is that your eyes have been opened a little and to begin thinking more clearly and recognizing, discerning, no, that's earthly wisdom. I want wisdom from above because that's who I am in Christ. And as I bring up my selfie stick this year, as I allow God to teach and train me, as together we figure out what it means, because that's the nightmare of one person interpreting, as together we figure out what Scripture means and wrestle with it, 
then we will become a people of God that is moving as well as being perfect. Can we go back to the first slide and let's just pray this prayer for us together. Let's read it together. And I'd like you to stand actually as we, as we pray this if you can, if you're able. Yeah, or that's it. And I don't know about you, I sometimes need to do something in the physical to remind myself of the spiritual. That's the way you were teaching today, isn't it? And so it's up to you. I don't want you to physically take your clothes off, but you can imagine <laughs> to, yeah, to be remembered for that. You know, physically, as you're doing that, just think of things that you want to take off and what you want to put on as we pray this over ourselves this morning. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests to you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God, with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory, to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in life. Father, we thank you that we can discard the old because we are completely and utterly new creations in Christ. And Lord, I thank you that we stand here perfect, we stand here holy, we stand here saved, we stand here righteous. And we stand here wanting to go towards perfection, to be actually grow in you. Lord, I pray that this would be a time of a growth spur in this church. I pray that this would be a time where love abounds, because is that not the goal? To love you and to love one another. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be the goal, and therefore all the measurements and everything come from that, because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you.